0: Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tradies, a podcast brought to you from myself, host Monique Dralovac, bricklayer and owner of mjbricklaying.co. I have created this podcast to motivate, inspire and educate, bring you to a choice of topics from inside the construction industry, women in trades, mental health and wellness, along with a bit of fun. Welcome back to Let's Talk Tradies. Today I have with me here George, who is an architectural builder, business coach, and an entrepreneur. Welcome, George.
1: Thanks a lot for having me.
0: So, George, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I started my journey in construction nearly 20 years ago. So, it's been a very up and down journey, but I started in the education space, so I did my building diploma and then a construction management degree. And then from there, I worked at some of the best construction companies in Australia. So Multiplex, Abbey Group, then a boutique company here in Melbourne called Buildcept, where I was a project manager there. Uh, unfortunately, they became a statistic in 2019. So they're no longer around, But and I wasn't there at that time. And then from there, went off and started my own business, uh, being Pascon as an architectural builder. So mm-hmm. that's the very shorthand version of it. But I've had a lot of experience throughout all the different building companies that I work for. And also the unique projects that I've worked on as well. So it's been a, an amazing ride.
0: So how long have you had Pascon's up for?
1: So Pascon is in its eighth year mm-hmm. now, and it's been yeah very. It's it's been great. It's been a fantastic journey. We've had a lot of challenges, particularly over COVID was the the most of the challenges that we had. Yeah. However, we got through that, and I think it was testament to my experiences at other building companies as well as my perseverance to push through difficult times as well.
0: Prior to COVID, did you, I guess, see what was going to be happening?
1: I don't think anyone could have foreseen what was going to happen Mm -hmm. as a result of COVID. It was very difficult to navigate that space. And even from our perspective, it was a great lesson in the sense that it showed me holes in my business that I needed to plug up and just do differently. And the next time a COVID event type happens, because it will happen again, Yeah, whether it's COVID or whether it's another GFC, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. I'm going to react completely differently. Mm -hmm. I'm going to protect the ship. And that's the one thing I learned because I was trying to help everyone and everything. I never, and I'm very proud of myself for this too. Not once did I go back to a single client for any additional costs. Not once did I put off any of my staff or reduce their hours. So I maintained everything in the business and looked after everyone at great expense and pressure to myself. Now, for me to do that again next time, I'm not going to do that because I need to protect the ship, right? Because if the ship goes down, everyone's gone. Clients, suppliers, employees, subcontractors, everyone is in pain. So you need to protect the ship. And that's the one greatest lesson I learned during COVID.
0: And how are you going to protect the ship next time? Well, next
1: time it'll be being really upfront. Just saying, guys, say for employees, for example, maybe you need to get rid of some. Simple as that. Just say, sorry, you, 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 gone. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thanks for your service because there's no point keeping everyone. And as I said, the ship sinks. Yep. You'd rather keep it afloat and then rebuild again when the times are good. So it might mean that you have to make some hard calls or reduce hours for people. So yep. there is going to be that aspect. With clients, again, you might have to come up front and say, hey, you either need to pay us extra to be on site because now we're restricted hours, we're got, we can't have the workforce, there's increases in material. Timber went from $1.30 to not over $9.00. Yep. you know what I mean. It's like a nine hundred percent increase in the mm. price of timber that we had to wear. So we're during that period of two three years, it, it cost us millions of dollars in in expenses that we never accounted for. Yeah. So it was it was very difficult in that regard. So what I would do differently is I'd, I'd even shut jobs down if I had to. Yeah. I'd say, no, sorry, like I'm not going to wear this expense that's been put on me. <laughs> you either need to make the choice and go, okay, we'll pay a little bit extra, meet me halfway, whatever it's going to be. Um and, and take it from there. So, mm. you know, a saying that I heard not long after was be a good man, not a nice guy. Yeah, And I live by that now as well. I was just being a nice guy to everyone. I was trying yeah. to help everyone. And the reward I got for that during that time is some clients had the audacity not to even pay their final invoices.
0: Do you think though, if you had have been a hard guy, you might've like potentially in a sense, lost your business or like gone more backwards? Because I understand the fact that you know, you are being nice and you're trying to keep people going, and you're the one that's wearing the burden. But at the same time, do you think that if it had gone the other way, you could have potentially closed?
1: In what way? Sorry, how would I've lost it though?
0: If if, if I was more of a yeah, hard line approach, If you're a bit hard and you were like, sorry, oh, no, I don't know, I would have have the
1: think work. the opposite would have happened. Yeah, okay, hundred yep. percent. Because I would have made decisions based off. Well, now I'm making decisions based off experience
0: mm.
1: when I when this happens again, because it will happen again. It's not. I'm not saying we're going to have another pandemic but something will happen that will affect business in the next 10 years again. Mm -hmm. So I'll be making decisions based off experience, but no, absolutely not because the decisions I'm going to make will save us money or time or whatever it might be within the organization. So I don't think it would happen. It would be detrimental to me in the future now.
0: It's crazy though, because with COVID, like even back in Perth, there's been a lot of companies that have gone under, but then there's also companies that knew what was going to happen before it happened. Yeah. And they had already put the prices up and like sold the houses for more. And I'm like, so I don't understand the whole concept of COVID, but mm. a lot of people knew it was happening and they had already put the prices up. And that's how a lot of businesses stayed in business and others failed. But it's just crazy that.
1: Well, you're, you're from Perth, yeah? Yeah. So yep. you were in your own little bubble. It's like it almost didn't happen over there here. It yeah, was yeah. really, really bad. Like over here in Melbourne, we literally couldn't leave our home. Mm. It's like it was, it was like a military state. Yep. Couldn't leave home. We were restricted to having five people on site a day. Now you think of we we do multi million dollar homes, yeah, do. so we do jobs that range anywhere between one to eight million dollars. Now, if you've got a, a four or five million dollar home and you've only got five people on site, you're going backwards. It's costing me money just to be open mm. because we're not achieving enough work to invoice at the end of the month, and we're not progressing enough. And it got it was so silly like the things just didn't make sense. It was always contradicting itself. You could have five people, but they couldn't be on the same site, um, or they couldn't move between sites. And then it's okay to say, or it's all fair and and good to say, okay, you've got five people, but it's, I'm going to coordinate some work and I say, cool painter, I need you to be here on Wednesday. And then the painter's like, well, I have to finish this job over here, but I've only got two guys. So it's taking me an extra two weeks. So I can't get to you to Thursday or to Thursday week. Mm -hmm. So then you've actually only got a week where you might have one or two guys on site. So it wasn't even five days and people say, you can have, like I'd have clients, you can have five people here. Why don't you have five people? You've got three or you've got one or you've got no one. I'm like, it doesn't, like, it's not just me. All the trades are affected by that too, because they are being delayed on their projects that they have to finish. Now they can only have two painters on that project because the other builder needs to have two painters, one plasterer and a plumber.
0: Mm.
1: And you just, it's going backwards. So that's, they're the decisions now in the future that if I have to make them sooner, I will. Yeah. That's all it's gonna come down to. Yeah. Wow. So but life life lessons, that's all it comes down to. That's, that's what exactly it. Is, it yeah, it is what you learn from it. Yeah.
0: So what sparked your interest into wanting to be or to get into architectural building?
1: Well, I found that during the process we started off as a development company and we were doing a lot of our own developments and we were in inner eastern suburbs of Melbourne and we we're just delivering sort of your medium range type Projects And then we actually did a project in South Yarra, which is a, a nicer suburb of Melbourne, and it was an architectural home. We delivered it in uh, such a high standard and such a high quality, and it was award-winning home. And that sparked my interest to go, well, we can deliver better quality projects, and we also make better margins on them. So then we shifted the focus from doing just those standard run-of-the-mill townhouse projects to looking at doing more architectural jobs because our trades had the capabilities to deliver those types of jobs, which is really important because you're only ever as good as the people that work for you. So you can't just go, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing standard spec homes, and now I'm going to do architectural homes and use those same people. It's a different caliber of trade. So our trades were up to that and we had to get a few new ones as well. But as a result, we were able to do bigger and better projects and- also, the experience that i would had through the years working at Multiplex, Abbey Group and Buildsept, the systems and policies and procedures that I use at those big commercial companies suited those types of projects because they are of bigger scale. You're talking much bigger numbers. So for me, it wasn't a daunting process to go, okay, let's go build three, four, five, four, five, $8 million homes now.
0: Because you already had the experience? Well, I already had it. <clears throat> and then yep. it's
1: just a matter of implementing, changing a few things around and making suitable for a residential construction company. So people just they don't they they think there's a huge difference between commercial and residential but there's not it's the same thing it's the same acts it's the same regulations it's everything is very similar mm-hmm. it's just in the residential space you're getting a lot of builders who are not educated in that area they don't know systems they don't know policies they don't pre- yep. know procedures they just don't know what they don't know i'd say 80% of builders today have a trade background majority of them are carpenters you get a few sparkies plumbers whatever it might be But the majority of them are carpenters and they know how to technically build. They're really good at that. But what they lack is the technical and systems and processes required to build a home as well.
0: Do you think they're even doing like your diploma and stuff? You you still don't learn. The best way of learning is to be on the job and have experience.
1: That's just one cog. Yeah. Right. You do need the education part of it as well. Mm -hmm. And people think, oh, I'm going to do my building diploma and go get my license. It's not that at all. It's not. It's not. You need the practical experience. You do know how to technically build on site, not just the education stuff. But then you need to know how to run a business because you are not a builder. Mm. Okay. When you say, and it happens all the time. It's like, oh, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm a bricklayer. Well, you're not a bricklayer. You're a person. Your company might do bricklaying or you might do that as a profession, but you yourself are not a bricklayer, but they identify as the job that they are. True. So it is, it's just force <laughs> of habit for pretty much everyone. Yeah. That's what they say. So what they really need to understand is they're in the business of building and running a construction company and constructing of two very different things. And that is why so many builders find themselves in strife. That's why so many builders uh, are going broke. Builders used, builders used to be in the top five organizations in the country to go broke. Do you know where they are now?
0: Pretty high up there. They're number one. Really?
1: Absolutely. They're the number one profession in the country to go broke. Wow. Number one. And that's because there's a, a number of comp, uh, factors for that. But one of, the, one of the reasons is external factors on the business that they can't control. Yep. So you think about, you know, suppliers, subcontractors. Mm. You've got like 40, P, 40 different trades and suppliers that you need to engage build a home and they all need to do everything perfectly in order for you to finish on time and make money Yeah, and that never happens mm. so there's that that you have to do and then multiply that by five six projects and yeah. then it's like one guy trying to do all of that you just physically cannot do it there's not enough time you forget things you're only human you can't possibly do everything efficiently and that's where a team comes in but the other the other factor is they're just not educated enough they think that i'm a bill i'm a carpenter I know how to build, that's enough. And it's simply not. You need Mm. systems, you need policies, you need procedures. You need to run your business. That's what they need to do. They need to get off the tools. Now, your tools might be your physical hammer and nails or it could even be a computer. But you need to get off the tools and actually manage the projects and your business.
0: Yeah. What has creating entrepreneurship been like for you?
1: Well, for myself, I don't think I was ever really entrepreneurial growing up. I don't think I was ever that guy that, set up a lemonade stand and sold <laughs> lemonade yeah. on there. But I think that's a very American thing. But I was never that way inclined, I don't think. And even when I finished my construction management degree, uh, I never had the intent of going, I'm going to be a builder one day in the sense that I will do this. I was mm-hmm. actually very much happy to stay at Multiplex and be one of the best guys at Multiplex. And arrogantly, and I made this mistake when I was young, but I was like, I'm not going to further educate. I'm just going to become really good at construction. And it wasn't until I started reading more books, listening to people, listening to podcasts, following other entrepreneurs that have done extraordinary things that it did start to spark my interest. And I think it was a natural progression from me working at a big tier one construction company and then working my way down and just realizing that I I hit the ceiling in each one of those organizations as far as where I was going and I needed that next challenge. And then ultimately it did lead me to become the builder that I am today and multiple business owner. And I reckon once I started in that space is when I again realised how good I am at it and then that's when it's really started to push me and, and where I would say my entrepreneurial journey
0: began thereafter. I feel like it's a bit like that with everything. Like even when I was doing my bricklaying apprenticeship, I was like never going to be like – our own business and then you kind of get to the point you're like I'm bored like what's the next step and then you do it so it is kind of just like a progression thing as you just go in life really well even your
1: podcast now that's another progression to that because how many bricklayers how many tradies have a podcast that they're running yeah and you don't know what this can lead into as well Mm, absolutely because um, me and my mate Robbie who's also a business partner of mine in, in one of the companies we have our own podcast too and we sit there and we're saying there's by not doing it you're you're limiting your opportunities. By doing it, you never know, you might get a tap on the shoulder by Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, and he wants you to come on there. And then you do that and then all of a sudden, I'm now a global authority in construction and doing keynote speeches in America and mm. getting paid a hundred grand. Yeah. For one se- for an hour session. So you just don't know what it can lead into. And that in itself becomes another business. Yeah. So you always have to put yourself out there, always seek new challenges, always do new things and invest the time, effort and resources into it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what is the most rewarding thing about your job?
1: Which one? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would say I've got multiple businesses. I've got my construction company, which is my core business. I've also got another business called Builder Elite, where I coach and mentor builders how to run successful construction companies. And then also involved with my business partner, Robbie, at Legacy Media, which is a media company that does content creation pretty much for the trade space and so builders I was that one. yeah so okay. we got we do we do um you know content creation management uh, market digital marketing as well yeah which is robbie's area of expertise and he's the one you do the podcast with isn't it yeah correct yep. yeah so he's he does all of that and, and manages that whole business i have very mm. little to do in it because yep. i'm just too time poor i don't have enough time to do anything there but you know he's the he's he's co-founder now of the business and he runs everything there but they've all got their their different rewards and challenges. So I'd say for the construction industry, for the construction business, the most fulfilling part of that is when you deliver a home to someone that genuinely appreciates everything you've done. Mm -hmm. We recently had a project in Hawthorne that we finished. The the, the job was late by 12 months. And that's again, because of COVID, but Mm -hmm. also we had issues with adjoining properties, the adjoining neighbor protection work notices. They literally put the job on hold for six months. Nothing happened on site. And then we had delays associated with COVID. So in, in all all in all, it was about 12 months. He was so happy with the end result. He was so appreciative of everything we had done. And he was one person I'm so glad I never went back to for additional costs. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he was one of those people. But I'm so glad I did because yep. he is an absolute gentleman and he appreciated everything we done. And as a result of that, his home sold, or this project we built for him, sold for a record price in the street. I don't think anything in that street had sold for that much before. Oh, wow, really? So... That gives me great fulfillment doing that and working with amazing people. Also, even just helping subcontractors and trades and and, and giving them that reward of, hey, you've been working with us for so many years. Here's, here's this project. Here's this little win. And making sure they're making money along the way because that's very important. Your trades and suppliers need to make money. Mm. If they're not making money, it's not a mutually beneficial working relationship. If you're a bricklayer and you are losing money on my job, are you going to want to come and work on my project? You're mm, gonna no. going you're going to want to work on your other jobs where you're making money. Yep. This one's gonna be a burden. This one you're gonna put a little bit less lime and sand and cement in the mortar mix because <laughs> you're trying to save a dollar. Yeah. Right? Or you're to gonna use job. you're gonna get the apprentice to do all the work because yeah. you're not making money. If you're there and you put a qualified, so then you're gonna give a poor quality product. You're not gonna be motivated to finish the job. My job's gonna delay. So there's a huge flow and effect of trades and suppliers not making money on your project. In the In the Builder Elite business, one of the most fulfilling things there is seeing everything that I'm teaching get put into action and see the result and see how the builders are benefiting from everything that I'm teaching them because I've got a wealth of knowledge in this space. I'm actually really good. I stand up in front of hundreds of builders and I say I'm the best builder in Australia. I say that to them. I said I am the best builder in Australia. And I I'll was actually,
0: I was listening to your podcast as well. Yeah. And because um, what you've got one episode so far, <laughs> yeah, next, next
1: one's dropping on Wednesday. <laughs> yep, so, yeah, it's days. actually a really
0: good episode. I liked it. Thank you. Um, I was listening to that, and then you're saying that there was one talk that you did at in front of an audience of one.
1: Yes, yeah, it was yeah. a webinar.
0: And you went out there and you just owned a shit. And, That's it. and
1: it's, it comes down to mindset because a lot yep. of people would be like, Oh, I've only got one person on to my webinar. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to even do it. Yeah. A lot of people would have just closed it, said so. A lot of people closed. would have. yeah. Yeah, we're not doing this. It's only one person. Why am I going to waste two hours of my time speaking to one person? And I was like, no, I'm going to give this guy the show of his life. And I went out there and I put in so much extra value, taught him so much. And in this webinar, they didn't know there was only one person because you can adjust the settings. So I could could say there's 500 people there. But he ended up buying two tickets as a result of that. So it was great to to have that, but I stand up in front of people and I say I'm the best builder in Australia. Now, am I the best builder in Australia? Probably not. Yeah. But if I don't believe it, who is?
0: Mm, it's so true.
1: 100. percent I need to believe that I'm the best builder in Australia, and as a result of me thinking like that, the actions that follow will result in yep. me being the best builder. Yeah. Because to I'm doing to these things, like even doing a podcast like this, coming here, spending time out of my day. This is costing me money being yep. here because I could be at the other at the other businesses, implementing, doing work, whatever it might be. But me being here adds to that whole legacy, adds to that whole notion of me pushing to be the best builder in Australia.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: oh, and then in legacy media, again, that's that's great. What I love about legacy media is it's documenting my journey. So we have a we have a, a team that that has content creation. They do all the content creation for my other businesses.
0: For both businesses? Correct. Okay.
1: Correct. So they'll do it for Pascon and for Builder Elite. Yep. And I have their, like I pay them, like it's a, its own business. Mm-hmm. Right, They're all separate businesses. So Pascon, Builder Elite pays Legacy Media to create all this content. And as a result of that, I'm documenting the whole journey because that's cool too. Mm. Imagine someone wanting to be a builder, then being able to jump on my content and download everything they need to know and see the journey from me going from, you know, an employee all the way up to... best builder in australia whatever that might be whatever (laughs) that ceiling is yeah whatever that journey is that's that's what i love about documenting the whole the whole thing
0: yeah so tell me a little bit more about um builders your coaching course yeah
1: yeah absolutely so we do live events throughout australia and we are a national company now which is great so we do live events where we teach people various core elements of construction and what they need to be implementing into their business for short-term and long-term success so This year, we've run four Builder Summit events, which have been a great success. We've had hundreds of people come through the door. Pretty much everyone comes up to me at the end of the day, shaking my hand, saying, thank you. Like, I never knew this. It's amazing to think about it like that. Because again, you don't know what you don't know. A lot of these people have never been taught this stuff. And it's so shit. Like, we need to be taught some of these basic things in school, let alone Mm. in the real world when we're actually working for ourselves and, and dealing with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. We should be talking about leadership. We should be talking about cash flow at school, but they don't do that. No. So we come out and teach people a whole bunch of things. Now I am limited in my time in a one-day event. So we also offer coaching and mentoring program called the boardroom program, which we have about 20 members at the moment. And we catch up quarterly for three days and we go through a core element of what it means to run a construction business. So we focus on vitality, which was the last immersion that we did recently. Three days we spent in the Gamby Lakes with everyone. So vitality, brand, wealth, and also systems. Mm -hmm. And we've done a couple of the immersions this year. We still have next ones coming up is brand. So we'll be deep diving into what they need to be doing for branding, for marketing, for their personal brand, their business brand, everything associated with that. And then the final one will be wealth that we finish off with. So again, talking about profit, talking about difference between markup and margin, how they need to increase their margin. Because a lot of builders – and this might strike a, strike a chord with some people, I know they're in at like 5 to 10%, which is mm. ludicrous. If you are making 5 to 10% on your job, you're losing money. Yep. You just need one thing to go wrong and you're gone.
0: Yeah,
1: right? And it's even a lot of these builders don't price in the prelims. They don't allow for supervision. They don't allow administration. They don't allow some overhead costs to the business. And these things just come off their bottom line. So when they think they're making 100 grand, 200 grand on a project, they're really making 70, but they're making decisions off the basis they're making 200 grand in their business. And yeah. then they get to the end of the line and they're like, where the fuck's all my money? Yep. And it's like, well, mate, you shouldn't have bought that boat. You shouldn't <laughs> have bought that new Hilux. Yep. You shouldn't have bought the new office, which is costing you 100 grand a year. Mm. So all these decisions, they're basing it off inaccurate information. And because they haven't got those allowances in there, they're thinking... And I know because I've got some of my builder clients that I'm coaching at the moment. I like this. They're like, oh, like they feel they're ripping the person off if they charge them for their time. And I said to him, one of the guys I said to about this said he's he's got this problem in his business at the moment. I said, if you win a job, and then you never make another phone call ever again after you've won it from the day you sign the contract, you never make another phone call, you never speak to another trade or supplier. Will the job get done? He goes, no. Then you need to pay for supervision. Yeah, You need someone to pay to do that. Now, initially, that might be you. Great. Pay yourself. You are worth money. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, when you win two, three, four, five, ten projects, you need to employ supervisors. And guess what? You have money now to do so. It's not Mm. coming off your bottom line. You're not making those decisions. And again, it's the same thing what I said with your bricks. when If you're not making money as a bricklayer, what are you going to do as a builder? if you're a builder not making money on a project, what are they going to start to do? They'll be like, oh, okay, let's let's go get those cheap floorboards down the yeah, road. Yeah, exactly. Okay. They're, they're, they're not as good, but I'll slap them in. And then they have issues down the track. And then they, all the floorboards start to cup. Yeah. And, and, you, have and, to rip everything and then you have to yep. rip everything up and do it again. And it costs you triple what it yep. would cost you going the original floorboard in the first place. Yep. But they're making poor business decisions based off things that they've put in place themselves. And that's what... Builder Elite is set out to do, it's to help lift industry standards and create like a best practice and Mm -hmm. go, no guys, this is what we need to do because every builder should be charging 35% markup, right, which equates to around 25% margin. Every builder should. They should be worth, they should be doing that and it's not ripping clients off and I know they think like that. It's like, oh, I can't make that. That's I'm ripping them off or I'll lose the job. No, but you're that's just, the scarcity in that though. It's the scarcity mindset, one hundred percent. It's the scarcity mindset thinking I'm I'm not going to win the job. No, you're just not providing enough value. Mm. When value exceeds price, people make decisions. Yeah. So you need to actually go. How do I show my client that I am worth this much money? That's that comes full circle. It's everything we teach at at the, in the program. It, it starts with brand. Yeah. Are you putting out enough content? Do they see you as the type of builder that? would be trustworthy to build their home because you also need to understand a lot of these people are putting their life savings into you Yep, it's often their biggest investment that they'll ever make is the family home Mm. or whatever uh, in in property it's often one of their biggest investments that they're ever going to make so the fact that you can come out and say hey we're a reputable builder we deliver quality projects here's the proof and you've got that whole track record on your brand that's a massive thing we we had a really, I, I made it a real conscious effort to build our brand about five, six years ago with Pascon and then followed on with that with my personal brand too, purely because I see it as a wealth making mechanism and it builds rapport with people too.
0: Yeah. And I feel like especially the way that the generation's going these days is that people, they don't care so much about the product, they care about the person.
1: Absolutely. People buy from people.
0: Exactly. That's what it is. People it's buy not, from people. It's not the company. And this is it why I, I harp
1: on so much even with my own mentees and anyone in, in business, create a personal brand. Mm,
0: absolutely. You have
1: to create a personal brand yeah. because people buy from people. Yep. And I've proven this even from the perspective of look at, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk. Do you know who he is? Gary Vaynerchuk is an American entrepreneur. If you
0: I know dive, <laughs> d- that's a, dive, yeah.
1: dive down the rabbit hole, you'll see what he's, uh, what he's oh, about. But he's got... He's got a multi-million dollar, multi-million dollar companies. But if you look at his personal brand, he's got like 10 million followers. His company's got 250. Yeah. So people are buying from people. And you go all the way through all these big successful people. It's the same thing. Mm. Kim Kardashian's the same. Yeah. She's got whatever it is, 200 million followers. Her company's got five. Mm. Uh, Richard Branson, 3 million followers. His virgin company has got 200,000. Yeah. Because people are connecting with the person, not the company, mm. as much. It is still important to build company brand, one hundred percent. You need to document that whole aspect and build that trust and rapport. But people connect with people.
0: Yeah. So, who is your, I guess, target market, uh, target audience for your business? So, you're obviously getting like fresh builders in there. Like, who else are you finding is actually coming to you for coaching? It's
1: predominantly builders, but we get a wide spectrum of experience. We got one crew, one builder who's part of the program who's been in business for ten years. And he just came to me one day. He said, "Listen, mate, I love what you're about. I love everything you're doing. I've been doing this for 10 years, and I haven't really made money, Mm -hmm. just bouncing on the same spot." He goes, "I just want to show, I want someone to show me how to go this way, do this, do this." And in just six months' time, we actually, actually, I gave him an award at our last immersion. But in six months' time, they've gone from having that mindset and being in that position to now there's two directors in the company. To now, one of them has taken six months off to build his own home, and he goes, "The other directors like." I'm now needing to try and find shit to do because they've systemized, they've implemented into their business everything we're teaching and now he's like, fuck, what do I do? So great. Now go start building your business. You've Mm -hmm. got extra time now where you can sit back and go, cool, I've done this, this, this and this. It's a well-oiled machine. Now start looking at how you're going to grow your business or go start another business, whatever you want to do or deliver an even better product. Yeah. So this is where they're at in their journey and then we've got We've got another guy who's turning over $47 million in wow. revenue in his business at the, in the next financial year. And when I started with him, he was turning over 16. Now he's at 47. And then we've got guys that are just starting. We've got guys that have been two, three years in. What I'm finding is 90% of these people uh, just don't know what they don't know.
0: Mm, yeah, and that's, the that's all They've
1: been winging yep. it the whole time. <coughs> yeah, They're like learning through experience. And it's always more expensive to do that. What a mentor is, which is what we are. I'm a mentor to mm-hmm. these guys. I'm coaching and I'm mentoring them. What a mentor is, it's someone that you're going to leverage their experience and knowledge from to use into your business to save time and money. That's what it is. Because I've gone through COVID so I can teach you how to go through the next COVID. Yep. I've worked at the best construction companies in the country. Now I can teach you all the things that they use in their business that you can implement because I've done it in my own. So this is another really big thing that I really tell everyone is I practice what I preach. There's very, and I think I've done my research. I don't think there's another builder in Australia that's doing what I'm doing.
0: Yeah.
1: And in the sense that I'm coaching other builders.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: There's that, again, that scarcity mentality. Why would I tell everyone my secrets? They're going to use it and then I'm going to lose money. Like why?
0: But you know we're, what? It doesn't even work like that because at the same time, yes, you can tell everyone your secrets, but they if they don't implement what you're teaching them, they're not going to freaking learn. That's right. That's so, right. They
1: need to implement, but it's also, but still people have that scarcity mentality. I'm yeah. not going to tell you my tender process yeah. because if I tell you my tender process, you go out there and win all these jobs. We need to build a million homes a year just to sustain population growth. And yeah. we're, not, we're nowhere near that. So there's plenty of work out there for everyone. And the other thing is, so let's just say I teach you everything and then you and me are competing against each other on a build. I know that you're not going to go in at 10%. Mm. I know that you're going to allow for supervision and administration and all the other overhead pro- costs to that project that need to be in it. I know that your margins are going to be up between 30 plus percent. So all of a sudden, we're not, pr- we're not tendering against each other, each other on price. It's not going to be a price-driven decision by the owner. It's going to be a sales-driven d- or marketing or yeah. who they connect better with. Yeah. And in that instance, I back myself. So that's that's that one thing there where, where people have that mentality, right? I don't want to give anything away. No, I'm going to give everything away because I want to help improve individuals, their businesses, and then as a, as a consequence of that, it will affect the industry too. Because the business in itself is small as far as members are concerned, mm-hmm. but you give it another two three years, you will start to know about Builder Relate in yeah. the sense that you I will have people in the program from Perth, yeah, and you'll be like, oh, yep, yeah, I know George. I yep. did a I did a podcast with him.
0: I guess what's your vision and plans for it long term? Like, is this gonna are you still gonna have both businesses?
1: Yeah, I'll, we'll always have the construction business. Um, oh, sorry, that's what I was going on before. What I, <laughs> the point I was actually going to make <laughs> is. I'm practicing what I preach. So I'm a big believer in that. I haven't done just some marketing degree or business degree and then come out and said, Hey, come and join my building program. Because there's a lot of builder coaches out there and forgive my language, they're not a builder's asshole. <laughs> like they're not, they wouldn't know the first thing and the stresses associated with running a construction business, yet they're coming over to you and saying, Hey, I'm gonna teach you how to run a successful business. Yeah. And that that kind of shits me because they're taking advantage of the situation. They can see that builders don't know this genuine stuff and they're giving them a generic form. They're giving them a generic procedure, which is just a copy of some other business shit that they learned mm. along the way and said, use this. Mm. And the builder's getting some results because something is better than nothing. But what I'm doing is practical experience, practical things that I've done in my own construction business and seen huge success. So now I'm saying, I've done it. Yeah, You can listen to me and do it yourself or not, I don't really give a shit. But I'm telling you, this is what works. If you want to go listen to someone else, best of luck to you. But this is what works.
0: And this is why, like, you need to have such personal brand like out there as well. Because Absolutely. like, I'm not going to go choose someone that hasn't got much experience. I'm definitely going to look for someone, I guess, more like you that's got the experience, done the hard work. I want to be coached by someone who's been through it all, not by someone who's got a piece of paper. And like, I've done my NLP co- um, course as well, so. Yep. But even then, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do my coaching. I'm not going to do my coaching course. Yeah. I've still got so much more to learn and everything like that. And I would never, like, coach until like, I'm confident enough yeah. that I've got enough experience as well to be able to help.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's, um, yeah, it, it all comes full circle at the end of the day. And 90%, I'd say all of the builders that are part of the program have joined the program because of what I just said to you. Mm. They see that I have my own construction business. Oh, yeah, it's 100%. like, mate, you're doing, like, it's a no-brainer. You're like, here, take, take my money, like 100%. And it's such, in the grand scheme of things, it's such a small investment. It's so, in my opinion, it's too cheap. I'm not charging enough. Mm -hmm. I should be charging more. But what I'm trying to build at the moment is the runs on the board. I want to show people that this works. And then as it grows, it it will go up, supply and demand. That's all it comes down to.
0: Yeah. Mm. So can you describe to us what your work and personal life looks like and how do you balance both?
1: Yep. I don't believe in work-life balance. I reckon it's a load of shit. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as li- work-life balance. Yeah, And what it is, is work-life priority or work-life mm-hmm. blend. That's mm-hmm. what it is, period. Because there's going to be times where you need to focus on your business yep. and you need to work like an animal and you're going to have to put in seven 30-day work days, whatever it's going to take to get through a difficult period, to win that big job, whatever it is. That doesn't mean you go, oh, you know, you're working too hard. Why don't you take a break? You've earned it. Right, again, that scarcity mentality. You to say that to me. But it's it's also there. The, but it's you, you often get that from loved ones. Yeah, you do. Because they're trying to protect you. Mm. It's like you're obsessed. Good. You need to be obsessed, because if you want to achieve extraordinary things, things, you're not going to do it by being mediocre. Mm. You're not going to do it by working nine to five. Yeah. You need to be obsessed. You need to be driven. You need to be hardworking and push through that. So you need to prioritize that aspect of your life, business, guys. You're, hey, come out this weekend. No. Yeah. I'm not going out tonight. I have to be up at seven tomorrow. It's a Sunday. What are you doing? It's church day. You don't even fucking go to church. What are you telling me about <laughs> that? Right? No, it's work day. Yeah. So there's that. On the flip token of that, you also need to prioritize your life and your health. So you there will come a time where you go, you know what? I'm taking three weeks off. Mm. Phone's off. Don't talk to me for three weeks. Okay. Or I'm only working four day weeks for the next month. Because I've been working really hard for 12 months and now I need to take a break. Yep. So you're going to prioritize your health. You're going to prioritize your family. And clear communication, especially if you've got partner, married, whatever it might be, kids, having that clear line of communication with your partner and your significant other is really important too. Because you need to say, hey, just so you know, over the next 12 weeks, I'm I'm going to be so busy mm. because I have to win these two tenders. we are got to do this. If we win this, there's good results. There's so on, blah, 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 blah but I'm unoccupied. Don't, call, don't book me in for, hey, we're going out with John and Mary on Saturday. I'm not in, I'm not there, I'm working. Yeah. But in the months that follow, do that. So you also, as business owners, you also need to be careful not to fall in the trap. And the trap is you work really hard uh, for that 12 weeks and that 12 weeks becomes 10 years. And mm-hmm. then you lose focus on everything that's important. You miss out on kids' birthdays, sporting events, um, whatever. Plays, anything that's important with them, you miss out on because you are too busy working. Mm. So it's important to make sure you need to do that. And where I say blend as well is if you have, you're on a family holiday and you get a phone call and you go, George, I really need you to look at this. It's really important. What do we do? Like, mate, fuck off. I'm on holidays.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: Tell your wife, Nicole, I've got to go. I'm unoccupied for an hour, mm-hmm. so you're blending the two. Yep. I need to go do this work thing. I have to. It's part of the process. Mm. So there's that blend as well that you need to have. Sometimes you need to take that hour off, or in in both ways, business and in in personal life. So I'm a big believer on that, and it's something that I do myself and I teach others.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think for me at the moment as well, was like I'm purposely not interested in I guess relationships or anything Mm. like that at the moment I'm hustling hard just trying to grow myself grow my brand grow my business and I feel like yeah I am constantly working like I'll get home from work and I'm sending out emails and you know reaching out to people thinking about what I can get on the podcast building my community um as long as I go to the gym Yep. that's my little bit of life that i love other yep. than that i'm happy to hustle like i'm that's fine I'm and it, it just
1: comes down to yeah and, and that's something now recently i've made a priority in my life too mm-hmm. because i got to a point i'm 40 next year and for me i was saying look i've i've made work my priority yep. not my health and i had got that stereotypical dad bod and didn't feel great i wasn't yeah. i was never overweight but i wasn't in shape mm-hmm. and for me being in my early 20s, I was in great shape. I was fit. I was playing sports. I was always moving around. I was always active. And there's no reason why I still can't be like that. So now I've made it a priority to work on my health. And as a result, I have a PT three times a week. We do other stuff. He's given me meal programs and I'm significantly stronger today and in better shape than what I was six months ago.
0: How much does it affect your mindset though? Like eating yeah. healthy, exercising, 100%. like, oh, you notice such a difference.
1: 100%. And look, I've made it a personal goal that I'm 40 in July next year that I want to have the best, I want to be in the best shape of my life by my next birthday. Yep. So then that way it's just a little goal for me and it's a good target and everything that we're trying to achieve. But it's not when I hit 40, best shape, cool, I can start eating Tim Tams again. Yeah, no. It's, this is a lifestyle, a lifestyle thing. Yeah. This, is for, this is a forever game. Mm. Because there's a photo that I came across the other day where it was two 84-year-old men side by side. And it said both of these men made a choice. One of the men was in a wheelchair, frail, old, mm. skinny, you know, and he looked like he was literally one step away from death's door. And the other one was muscular, really like ripped, big, strong, looked like he was going to go another 50 years. And both of those men made a choice when they were 40 years old or 30 years old, right? One was to work out, to train, to eat well and do everything they need to do. And the other one said, no, I'm just going to choose yeah. comfort. And you've got to choose your pain. You're either going to choose the pain of discomfort today, the pain of blood, sweat, tears, or you're going to choose, choose the, uh, the alternative when you're older. Yeah. Right? You're going to choose the, the, the comfort today, but pain tomorrow. So I made that choice. Mm. I've made that choice. I've chosen my pain. So I'm going to work out. I'm going to do everything I need to do so I can be in the best shape of my life. So I can play with my grandkids.
0: Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yep. How does the, in, how did the industry cope, um, cope in the cost of living crisis? Or how does yep. it cope in the cost of living crisis?
1: The industry just reacts, I think. Yeah. doesn't cope. just reacts. Yeah. And what I mean by that is we're going to get an increase in timber let's just say, use that as an example, or well, timber is now priced at $3 or $4 a meter. That gets passed on to the consumer. Mm. Everything, any cost increase at the moment just gets passed on to the consumer. We can't reduce it as a builder. I can't go say, hey, I'm going to make the industry, the cost of living cheaper because I'm going to I'm going to pay for your timber. This doesn't work like that. So we just then pass that on to the consumer, whatever it's going to cost. Now, the, what I'm finding here in Melbourne anyway, I don't know about the other states, but here in Melbourne, it's harder to get projects across the line because people are thinking pre-COVID prices, they're going, oh, I want to build this for X amount of dollars and I'm finding people are not putting pen to paper at the moment because they're like, well, interest rates are really high, they're not doing anything to, uh, to counter that expense and as a result, they're not building. And I think that will have issues in the future definitely. Mm. It really comes down to government and trying to encourage people to build either through discounts, either through more competitive construction loans, um, incentives to build, whatever it might be, because they're definitely not going to be hitting these targets of, of the homes that we need to build to sustain population growth, that's for sure. But as builders, we can't do anything. I don't think we can do anything to ease the flow of what things cost short of cutting your margins. And you know what I think about that. Yeah, you know, you shouldn't cut your margins at all. No, not even for uh, for anything.
0: So prior to COVID, when it came down to, I guess now when you're just saying that the clients wear the cost. So let's just say you have to put extra bricks on site, and the client wears that. Did was that not a thing before COVID, or was that still a thing? No, because what I, I mean like by what I, I mean by extra now.
1: costs, I mean so for example, the timber cro- the timber yeah, price. Yes, yeah, that in itself is like unprecedented. We never would have. We never would have had. A 900 percent increase in timber. Mm-hmm. So I would say, cool, if you want, if you want us to continue, you, you gotta meet me halfway. Yeah. Okay. Do something because it's better than I, I can't wear this. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. But what was happening? They'd say, Oh, well, it's in your contract, you have to build it for that much. Cool. Like I just won't build it. And then you won't get into your home. Mm-hmm. And then I'll see you in court. Right? Because I'd rather lose now. And this is this could be another decision you might have to make as a bit like in the future myself. And say cool, if I keep building your home at the current price rises, it's going to cost me yeah $500,000 yeah, extra. Yeah. If I cut ties with you today and just cancel the contract, I'm down 100. Mm. Which one's better? Yeah. So that could be a hard decision I need to make as a business owner. Yeah. And say so go stuff yourself, go find someone else to build it. Now you watch what happens when that owner tries and goes get someone else to build it, or they could meet halfway and go, look, okay, I understand where this is at. Cool. Blah 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 blah. Let's move some things around. Let's change this. Let's change that. I'll meet you there. Okay, yep. great. I'm happy to keep going. Yep. So that's uh, that's how I would approach that in the future, anyway.
0: Yeah. So how does the industry in Victoria compared to other states? Um, I guess handle it.
1: Well, I mean, I've got a few of my guys are from interstate as mm-hmm. well, and I find that they're all experiencing the same thing. So it seems to be a nationwide problem, not just yeah, not just a state specific problem. A lot of p- builders can't find trades. Right, And they're short-staffed. It's it's harder to find people. And I think that's a combination of things. It's a combination of COVID, first of all. People's work ethic has sort of gone out the window and they realize they can try work from home and and do shits and bits like that. So I think it's a combination of that. The other thing it is, it's the internet. The internet's fucked everything. And I say that because you can make $80,000 a year selling toothpicks online. Why the fuck are you going to become bricky?
0: Yeah.
1: Why? Yeah. There's not... Why am I going to lift two and a half tons a day in bricks? Yeah. One, two, three. Why am I going to do that? Yeah. I can make $80,000 sitting in my underwear at home.
0: Yeah. And I think this is like where it's coming in effects with um the new generation. Like, you know, you can there's these apprentices coming out on site and they're just no work, e- work yep. ethic compared yep. to what it was even just 10 years ago. Absolutely. you Absolutely. Know? Um, because everyone's just looking online and just like, oh, well, I can, yeah, sell toothpicks. I could do nothing.
1: Absolutely. And it, this is what I said the other day. It's like, I did a post about this the other day and I said, if you're an apprentice, stop bitching and moaning about how much money you're making. All right. Because yeah. you need to invest in yourself now. You're getting paid to be taught. Whereas when I was at school and uni and TAFE and wherever and everywhere I went, I had to pay for that education. Now you're getting paid to get educated. Mm. And like, oh, it's, it doesn't cover the cost of living. It Doesn't this? Like, like just shut up. I feel live like live with it's... friends, live with your family, yeah. move in with what, rent a room. Okay, you can make it happen, but the payoff for them is you invest your four four years now or your three years, whatever your apprenticeship might be. When you come out and you're qualified, you're gonna make some really good money. Mm. You're gonna make, especially if you're good. If you have the eth the work ethic behind you to back that up, you will make two three hundred thousand dollars a year, mm. and then in the space of three, four, five years, you'll have a $10 million business. Yeah. You'll have it. But people, they, they, this is what I mean. Choose your pain.
0: People do you want are the pain just... of
1: comfort? If you don't like it, go get a desk job. Go yeah. make 60 grand a year and make a desk job. Yeah. Or power to you. Go sell toothpicks. Whatever you want to do. But when you're here, you're working. Yeah. I don't care what anything else, and I'm really I'm a bit old school like that, and like oh you can't talk to people like oh, that. I am no, as well. No, you fucking <laughs> can. All right, no. this is what it needs to be to be successful in the bit in the space. Yeah, that's it. If you don't want to be successful, cool, go and work somewhere else. Mm. And I say that to lots of people. They're like oh I'm gonna leave. Mate, pick up your shit. Fuck off. <laughs> like mm. had it the other day at a, one of my jobs. He's it was it was something small, but it was a truck driver delivering a side office, and he's like oh you know I can't get down the street. Sounds like a you problem, All right? Because there was cars parked either side. I said, you were supposed to be here at seven. It's now 10. Yeah. And this street is full of cars because there was a train station nearby. If you were here at seven, we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. But you're here at 10. Now I have to move everything around and move relocate your shed. Anyway, we did it. He goes, I moved it to the back of the site. I was able to make it work. Then he's like, oh, I can't reach. And it's it, I, the, 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 the truck's going to tip over. I said, I don't want the tr- shed there. I want it there. I go, take the shed where it is, put it back on the truck, move your truck and put it in the right spot. Ah, oh, this bullshit. I've got to go, I've got to do this. I said, mate, there's two options. You do what I say or pack up your shit and leave.
0: Mm. I've got
1: no time for people that want to bitch and moan about their life and and how everything's so hard. It's not hard. It's your perspective. Yeah. It's your focus. What you're focusing on is determining how you see it. Yeah. So I'm I'm very... Strong on that position.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that's no.
1: But as a result, I also attract really good people. (laughs) I have really good people working for me, the best, because I won't put up with mediocre shit. I had my cousin work for me, my first cousin who I'm very close with. He did his apprenticeship through me. And in his second year past his apprenticeship, I fired him because he was just going through the motions. He was a nine to five type guy. He would rock up at 7.01 and leave at 3.29 because he had other shit that he had to do that was more important. And I got rid of him. Mm. He went off, worked for two years by himself in his own, he started his own little business. I then reemployed him two years later and he was 10 times the employee because he'd gone out, saw everything that I told him, yep. realised that, oh yeah, I know what I'm talking about now and then come back and he was 10 times the employee.
0: Yeah. You honestly learn so much when it comes to, I guess, owning your own business or like yeah, doing it yourself yep. compared to working with someone like… 100%. 100%. Oh, yep. And this
1: is where those mentors are really powerful things where they can come in and go, Yep, yeah, cool. This is what I need to learn. This is who I need to learn from. Mm.
0: Mm. So what does your team look like?
1: So we've got a combination of contract administrators, project managers, site guys. So our site managers, I've got a construction manager and and myself. So I've got a team of about seven at the moment mm-hmm. and that just grows or shrinks depending on the number of projects we have
0: how many projects do you roughly do about a year like a year now
1: look it's it's a bit hard i wouldn't necessarily say it's a number it's more the value of the project and the complexity of the job if we did a job that was 15 million dollars then i could just do one job Mm, you know or if i did i'd much rather do one bigger job bigger jobs because it's easier to manage than little jobs because it's the same process at the end of the day so I would say it's more based off the value of the project as opposed to the number. But, you know, we generally range anywhere between between 5 to 10.
0: Yeah. So you're still quite like a intimate boutique builder.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I'm happy to do that because we can still control the quality of the builds that we need to, yeah. to deliver. Yeah, no, yeah. That's,
0: that's what you want. It's great. Yeah. So what are some unexpected challenges that you have faced in your career and how do you approach them?
1: Well, there's uh, there's a challenge every single day in construction. You know, mm. sometimes say, people say, what do you do? I say I'm a firefighter because all I do is put out spot fires all day. And there's challenges you come across every single day on construction sites. So you always got to have solution orientated mentality to yeah. overcome those. And then also give your team the power to do that as well. But one of the biggest things that I've come across myself is again, I practice what I preach is seeking out a mentor to teach you things that you don't know. And I did that probably three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, about four years ago, it started to get more, um, what's it called? i I reached out to people so I could then better educate myself in business, in life, in a whole range of things so that I can then pass that on to others. And as a result of that, I've got better leaders in in my company, I get better employees, I track the right people. Other challenges is, as we said before, with COVID and everything we're doing there. So that, that that was a great learning lesson. And again, it's people's perspective. Some people fall victim to that and say, oh, COVID stuffed me. I lost all this money. I did this. I did that. I looked at it as an opportunity to go, well, great. I've gone through that. It was really hard. I'm very resilient. I've, I'm a better fa- husband, father and builder as a result of that. Yeah. So, Definitely the growth mindset. Yeah. hundred percent. That's
0: Awesome. So, what advice for what well, some advice for individuals who are thinking about going down the same career path as you would you give
1: for to become a builder? Yeah, make sure you're ready. Don't rush it. Yep. Okay. So get educated, get the relevant experience. Don't just find a mate that can give you the experience so you can get your license because it's high risk. Construction is high risk. It's a high risk business. We're number one to go broke in the country. Mm. So make sure you know your shit. You have a duty of care to be the best builder in the country. That's what you have to do. So in order to do that, you've got to seek out the right people to educate you, either a a boss or whatever it might be uh, or a mentor. Uh, Get the work work experience. Put in the hours. You have to do the reps. You have to do the reps because if you don't, you're going to be exposed when you do start your business. So that's the biggest piece of advice I could give someone.
0: So how long were you, I guess, within the industry before you actually started your business?
1: Oh, uh, I would say, so we started in 2015. So I would say say 15 ish year, say 14 odd years. Yeah. Working for other people before I started doing it myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you really had. And my
1: dad's a builder too. So I used to work between when I was studying, I used to work on his construction sites too. So I had that exposure. I never got my apprenticeship or anything like that, but I'm competent using tools.
0: Yeah. It definitely helps when you do have someone else that you can be around, vibe off as well. I say builders breed builders.
1: So Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely
0: that's exactly why like someone, I guess, more mm-hmm. like me for getting into building, that's when I need you because yeah. my dad's done like earthworks and concreting and stuff. But he's never, he's never been a builder. Yeah. Yeah. He's built our house. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. about it. Yeah. So how do you communicate with um, clients ongoing whilst? When we're building? Yeah.
1: So we'll do regular meetings, say fortnightly with clients, obviously through email conversations. I tend to t- say like we have contract administrators, that's their first point of contact. Because I don't want clients emailing me every single day saying, hey, what color tap or what color tile do I need to use? That's not a me question. That's a team question because I'm so busy building the business. And again, this is that mentality you need to have. You need to remove yourself from that and have the team there to do that. So we communicate through those portals generally. So phone, email, all that sort of stuff. There are some other portals that you can use as well, but we're not. I'm I'm finding it works well how we're doing it at the moment and giving Mm -hmm. them a point of contact within the business that they can speak to.
0: Okay, so... We have a couple of questions written in that I put up on my story oh, of people. So awesome. we've just got two here. Cool. Um, so what advice would you give to, the, give to young architects looking to build a successful business?
1: Architects. Um, collaborate with builders. 100% collaborate with builders. Mm. And make sure that you understand that the builder knows costs really well. And if you can leverage off their experience as far as costs, it'll help you when designing the home. Because a lot of people have a budget that they're trying to build to. Now, if you can speak to that builder and get some indication on costing for stuff, it'll be massive for them.
0: I think that's something as well that needs to be talked about a lot more, shown more within like your working role is budgeting. Because yeah, 100%. like, you, you know, you do your job and like you learn the ins and outs, but money's the biggest part of business and you don't get taught that.
1: That's right. Absolutely.
0: Another one. Um, What's... What strategies do you recommend for architects and firms to build strong client relationships and secure repeat business?
1: For architects and firms? Yes. Well, relationships is everything. So yeah. making sure that you maintain relationships with clients and getting out there and meeting people as well, for sure. Because that's where, you know, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. Mm. So I think connecting with people, putting yourself in those circles and making sure you deliver on the product, on your promise, always key.
0: Yep. So is there anything else that you wanted to add today?
1: No, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's ever wanting to find me or look me up, you yep. can just find me on cross social media. So George passes generally. Yep. And um, yeah.
0: Awesome. And I'll cool. link that in the show notes as well. Fantastic. Um, so I'm just going to ask you three rapid fire questions cool. that I ask everyone that in the interview. Awesome. So first one, what is something that you implement into your daily routine to always be consistent?
1: Uh, practice gratitude.
0: Um, what is your proudest accomplishment so far? Uh, wife and kids. If you weren't an architect, what would you be? And business elite. Uh
1: yeah, or business, all builder elite. Yeah, builder elite.
0: Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> if you weren't in your current role, I should I'd say, I'd love to you're be an F one driver. F one driver. Yeah. Really. Yeah.
1: No experience, but I'd love to do it. Um, in another lifetime, maybe.
0: It's interesting. So the guy that I did my NLP coaching course through, he um is into his race cars and he's actually kind of stepped away a little bit now. He's got he's doing that a lot more full time now. He's only been doing that for about a year, just mm. over a year now. And he like wins all his races because he he's so like mindset driven that he knows how to turn, when to turn. Yeah, like right. he just thinks two steps ahead. Yeah, right. Whereas like all these other guys have been in the game like their whole lives and they're like mm what like how are you so good at this you only just started driving cars how yeah, good and he's like it's the mindset behind it like
1: absolutely yeah that's it
0: all right well thank you so much thank for joining me on today's episode it's awesome and i'll be linking you your um socials in the show notes thank you kindly and for anyone who's listening to this today if you like this episode can you please share it on your instagram stories and tag me in it at let's talk tradies <laughs>